Welcome to Enterprising Mindsets, a podcast series exploring what an enterprising mindset is and how it can help us to live, learn and ultimately lead in the future. Hello, I'm Sharon Davis, Chief Executive of Young Enterprise, a national enterprise and financial education charity. You can get the latest episodes straight to your device via subscribing through your usual podcast service. I'm so excited to introduce you to today's guest, Tom Ravenscroft. Tom founded the Skills Builder Partnership in 2009. Skills Builder is a groundbreaking charity, and he did this whilst a secondary school teacher in Hackney. The Skills Builder Partnership brings together more than 550 schools and colleges, 130 employers, and 100 other skills building organisations around a common language and approach to building skills. The partnership won the UK Social Enterprise Award for Impact in 2017. Tom was the 2009 UK Entrepreneurship Teacher of the Year. He served as a non-executive director of Teach First and has also been recognised as one of the UK's leading social entrepreneurs by being elected as a Ashoka Fellow in 2017. Tom, welcome to Enterprising Mindsets. Oh, thank you for having me. It's great to speak to you today. So tell us a little bit about what led up to you setting up this groundbreaking Skills Builder Partnership. Well, so originally I finished university and I became a secondary school business studies teacher. When you start out in teaching, I mean, it's a fairly, you know, fairly challenging uh, role to start (laughs) in. The thing I suppose that that worried me perhaps more than anything else, though, was this sense that we'd really forgotten something very important uh, in the education that we were providing to the young people we were working with. And I was working with mainly sort of 15, 16, 17 year olds. And we were doing absolutely nothing, I realised one day, about any of those broader skills that you might think would be important. So things like being able to communicate, being able to come up with ideas, being able to self-organise or or interpersonal skills. And I think with that classic uh, naive new teacher mindset, I just couldn't work out why everyone wasn't more collectively panicked by the fact we didn't seem to have done anything uh, to build any of these skills. What became the Skills Builder Partnership really grew from from that class, my, my year 10 class, in fact, who I just felt needed to have the opportunity to build some of these skills because it wasn't it wasn't their fault they hadn't built them because nobody would ever taught them. And that was the start of a, a journey over the last decade that's seen us really think about, well, what would it look like to uh, give every child, every young person the opportunity to build what we call a set of essential skills um, as a core part of learning and just make that a normal part um, of what an education should do. And what would you... How would you describe that set of essential skills? For us, the essential skills are those skills that uh, almost everyone needs to do almost anything, which sounds like a very broad description. Um, But if you uh, imagine we've got, you know, foundational skills like literacy, numeracy, basic digital skills. And then, of course, you've got a lot of really technical skills. Um, So, you know, being able to, to code, for example. Actually, there's this middle category of skills, which are those highly transferable ones that you need to do. Uh, all sorts of things. And so we've broken them down into uh, eight uh, essential skills, which we see as being uh, teamwork and leadership, uh, creativity and problem solving, aiming high and staying positive, and then speaking and listening. And those are the eight things which, you know, if you talk to employers or entrepreneurs or educators, are all absolutely fundamental, whatever we do with our lives. And so when we look in our current situation that we are in right now, an incredibly challenging situation for many people, young people including. So 
What would you say would be the key difference between skills and mindset before we kind of explore a little bit about that enterprising mindset? What would you describe mm. as the difference between the two? Fundamentally, I think you need both. And I think that's the most critical point here. But for me, skills are really about what you can do. So it's your toolkit. So for example, when we teach teamwork, what we're teaching is components like uh, how do you uh, allocate roles between people? How do you identify people's strengths and weaknesses? How do you run a team meeting? So those are all those are all abilities and things that you can do. But mindset is critical because mindset is about the choices that we make. So do we decide to be collaborative? Do we decide to try and undertake a particular project? And so actually you have the ability to do things, but you need to couple that with the mindset, which is the choice to do it. Um, and I think that's how the two fit really neatly together. And of course, like you say, you need you need both of them, don't you, together to um, mm, to absolutely. continue to continue to progress and learn. And so, if we were talking about an enterprising mindset, what would that mean to you personally? As reflecting on this ahead of this conversation, and and it's interesting. There was this one thing that was really drummed into me uh, while I was in school, and it's this quote, which I'm sure to mangle now, and I can't even tell you who said it originally, um, but. It's, it's really stuck with me and it is that um, you can achieve anything you want to in life uh, if you have the imagination to dream it, the intelligence to make a realistic plan and the courage to see that plan through to the end. And that's something that's really stuck with me, I think, because that to me gets to the essence of quite a lot of what we're thinking about when we talk about an enterprising mindset, because it's that ability to to take the tools that we've got and to apply them to try to seize an opportunity and it's about being able to see opportunities where perhaps other people see only the challenge and I think another core part of it is is that propensity to action so not just seeing the opportunity but actually that willingness and that almost that need to do something about it so not just to be a casual observer of the problem but to want to get your hands dirty and to try to to fix it and then maybe that last thing is about not waiting for permission to do that because I think you know, a lot of the time in life, we it's easy to become passive. It's easy to expect somebody to, you know, to tap you on the shoulder and tell you when you should be doing something. But I think an enterprising mindset is about almost giving yourself permission to get on and get on with something. And that's so interesting what you've just said there, um, you know, really picked up on that whole seizing the opportunity, being able to be proactive, having the courage, not waiting for others. And I feel like we're in a real moment here where we can actually reset discussions about education, discussions about how we confuse skills and mindset. What's your view on how we can almost use this, this moment that we have to look at how we can incorporate enterprising mindset or mindset into education? I think this is exactly one of those moments because I think what uh, has become clear is that knowledge alone knowledge, crucial as it is, has not been enough to support young people through this uh, incredibly difficult period. What we've seen is that in periods of great change and great uncertainty, having that mindset is the critical thing that makes a difference between being able to embrace both the challenge and the opportunity that's there, um, but also the ability to, to be resilient in the face of real challenge. So for me, what I hope is that this is a chance where we can have that fuller conversation about uh, what we really need to get out of a good education. And for me, you know, skills and the mindset have to be put on a, uh, on a much greater parity with, with knowledge and understanding of the world, which I think is where our education system 
uh, overwhelmingly focuses at the moment. And I, and I don't know about you, but I, th- I thought the last couple of weeks and the, the whole A-level situation and you saw this generation of young people actually speaking out, talking about their views on what they felt were, was, was, was clearly unfair situation. I was just very mindful of what you've just said there about seizing the opportunity, about being brave, about acting. It does strike me that the generation that we've got right now are perfectly poised to really go for that enterprising mindset if we're able to provide them with the support to do that. I think that's right. And I think, you know, it was incredibly encouraging and uh, inspiring to see young people not being willing just to accept uh, what they'd been told and accept that status quo. And and actually we've seen, you know, we saw the results of that. That propensity to action led to led to real tangible change and really tangible results, which will obviously be life-changing for the uh, for the young people involved. I think that's really encouraging. Absolutely. Absolutely. So just just turning really to you as a, as a charity leader, as a um, chief executive and founder of a charity, do you think there are uh, opportunities for us as a sector to explore the role of mindset in, in supporting young people through COVID? I think mindset is sometimes, or the value of, of mindset is sometimes uh, underinvested in, um, because I think there's a risk sometimes that it feels, it feels less tangible. It's very hard perhaps to, to pin down or to identify or to to measure in the same way that I think in the charity sector we've become slightly obsessed is too strong a word, but I think we worry too much sometimes about only focusing on things that we can measure. Actually, there's a lot else that really matters. And I think mindset is one of those critical things where there's plenty of evidence that having the right mindset makes a huge difference, but it is slightly more difficult to measure what the change has been. And of course, it's much easier to count things or to um, measure you know, differences in grades or other examined uh, attributes and I think we just need to have a bit more courage sometimes to say that we see these things are important and we will work towards um, being able to to measure them and to see the impact of them even if that looks slightly different to the the usual ways of measuring that we're used to. I think you're absolutely right there about the, um, you know, we as a, as a sector, I guess we've quite rightly been focused on, on impact and how we generate mm. impact for young people. But you're so right in terms of, you know, in lots of ways, mindset is about that set of beliefs of how the world kind of works and your thoughts mm. then kind of follow on from there. But I'm guessing, you know, I get a real sense as a sector, we've got a moment now to really think about collaborative mindset what that might look like and what that might generate in terms of how we work together going forward because resources will be probably a lot scarcer but I think there is something I think right now there's a moment there's a real appetite for collaboration of 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 charities working together I think so I mean I think it's going to be I think it's going to be a tremendously challenging uh period for all of us but you know, where you look for uh, silver linings, I think sometimes that that need for change is is the thing which encourages people to rethink what they're really trying to achieve and whether uh, whether that has to be a singular pursuit or whether actually that's something more collaborative. I mean, the work obviously that we're, we're starting to do now together uh, in partnership, I think is a really neat example of where those combined strengths mean that, you know, we both care about ensuring that the children and young people develop that broader set of skills and mindsets to to thrive in the world and much better that we do it together than try to do things in parallel or even competing uh, around some of this stuff. If nothing else, this really challenging situation has forced many of us to really think about what actually drives us, what's the why behind what mm. we're all trying to achieve. And 
I'm just really keen to hear your thoughts in terms of what's your kind of forecast of the changes you think we might see, both perhaps in the education sector. Let's go with the education sector first. Do you think we're going to see some changes as, as young people go back this year? I don't think it's going to be smooth change because I think that there's plenty of there's plenty of forces that that mean that we want to try to go back to the status quo. And so it's going to be this blend, I think, of some enthusiasm towards, you know, a different model of teaching. And then that very natural human desire just to want to get back to how things were before. And so I think we're going to see a lot of clashing between these two different things. And I think we're seeing that already because the parallel conversations we're having about, you know, lots of our school partners are are excited about, you know, investing through you know the work that we're doing as a skills builder partnership, investing in developing these broader attributes, these mindsets, these skills for, um, for their young people. And at the same time, feel that they're also being... Uh, there's a big tension there between doing those things and catching up with lost time in terms of exam results and the attainment measures that they feel they're being held very tightly to. Now, of course, really, there's no tension between those things because if you're uh, investing in building those broader, uh, you know, mindsets and skills and also building knowledge, that they of course all reinforce each other. But but I don't think that is always that is always clear. And it's you know does and if you're worrying about something in the short term. It can feel very tempting just to pile all your resources into exam prep or, or getting through coursework. So I think that's going to be, I think that challenge is going to play out for a while. And I think what will make a big difference is what happens with examinations next year, because at the moment that's still unknown. But I, I feel that if actually, if the, the role of those examinations becomes less significant next year, because you know not every child will have or young person will have completed their full course then again maybe that will just help to ease the conversation a bit further along well actually if the exam isn't the only thing that matters what are we going to do in a more rigorous way about these other uh, areas that matter too i've heard a lot about the recovery curriculum back in, in going back into the autumn term and it strikes me that there is a real opportunity here to help young people process that uncertainty, that stress, that challenge that they've they've experienced through, I guess, looking at some of the other key skills, the mindset to be able to process that. Do you think that that will become part of the recovery curriculum or do you think that it will be focused much more on, a, on an academic focus? I mean, I would like it to be. I mean, I think one of the fairly unique things about the English education system is just how fragmented it is and how much uh, schools will do their own thing. So I think some schools will, will you know, and lots of our partners are very much going for this approach of taking a very holistic view to what recovery looks like and what a recovery curriculum therefore should be about. And they see that about nourishing the individual student to make sure that they are back in a good place for learning, that they have been able to think about the skills that they've developed, that they continue to have those opportunities to build those skills and perhaps be the experience they've identified gaps that they want to fill in terms of those broader attributes. And that is obviously what we would absolutely encourage schools to do. I think one of the clear traps is of trying to instead to see a recovery curriculum as trying to make up an additional six months lost teaching time over um, the next 12 months. And um, and I hope we don't end up going down that route. I'm just thinking, going, going back to you really, Tom, as that founder and that charity leader, I'm really keen to hear from you. What good habits or rituals help you nurture that positivity and that enterprising mindset that you have? I guess the biggest thing which I try to, I try to challenge myself on is really thinking about how do I take responsibility 
for what I feel uncomfortable about. So what's interesting? Because I think it's very easy in life, isn't it? And I think, again, I think it's a very human characteristic is that we take more credit than we probably deserve for things because we see ourselves as the centre of everything. <laughs> and, um, and then we blame other people for the things that, uh, that, that go wrong. Um, and we sort of push responsibility for, for, for those bad things onto others, or we blame the wider social, cultural, economic yeah. forces yeah. that are far beyond our capacity to do anything about. And I think one of the, the biggest things I always try to, to catch myself on when I start thinking like that is thinking, well, actually, what could I do differently? What could I have done uh, that would have made a difference? And, and what can I learn from this? Somebody told me once that actually you get far more out of situations by starting with that mindset that, that you can control things and that you can have an influence and that you can have an effect than you do about just presuming all of this stuff is, is beyond um, your personal scope. And that can be a comforting feeling in a way. Um, because actually it's not your responsibility. But I also think we deceive ourselves quite often. And actually there are always things that we can step up and do. Um, so I think that's the sort of, uh, I guess that's the biggest part of it. And I guess that mindset of saying, actually, everything I experience, I'm going to learn from and I'm going to mm. utilise that. That's a really strong growth approach, isn't it? You know, you're not fixed into this has happened and therefore I'm not going to try again. That whole thing about self-efficacy and things being within your control, not outside your control. I remember someone saying to me, it's not what happens to you, it's how you deal with it, it's how you respond mm. to it. How do you think we can utilise, we can harness that mindset as a way of learning and leading in a post-COVID environment? The challenges that we face as a species, I think, are, are really profound at the moment. You know, I think, obviously, you know, COVID has, has really focused the mind, but I think there are some other, some would argue, more substantial effects, particularly if you look at, you know, things like climate change, automation, introduction of new technology, which I think actually are going to be much more disruptive, uh, even than the last few months have been. And I think when we're faced with those sorts of disruptions, we can either choose to, to bury our heads in the sand and to try to disengage from it because it's scary and it can feel overwhelming. Or we can try to really get our heads around it and think about what we can do, you know, what's our contribution or how can we prepare ourselves to be able to to take to take advantage almost of, of the opportunities that are there and to make a contribution. And I think that's I think that's absolutely critical is thinking about what, how we can change uh, as well, because I think part of the, the you know, that enterprising mindset is that, uh, as you've alluded to, is, is that we're not fixed. You know, we we are not uh, inherently skilled in one way and we do not have to be satisfied with what we can or can't do at any given point. And actually, everything I've learned from Skills Builder over the last decade is that we can all build skills and we can almost we can all build almost any skills if we're deliberate about it and if we really focus and we break down skills into the component parts and we practice them and we get feedback and we seek out coaches actually there's no skill that we can't build and i think people often limit themselves because they they start thinking well or defining themselves by the skill set that they have at the moment um, but actually the enterprising mindset is about saying you know this is where i am now if this is where I decide I want to get to, I can work out how I'm going to get there. And actually, the only thing that's limiting me is how much 
uh, energy and thinking I'm willing and practice I'm willing to uh, to put into being able to do that. And I guess there's that magic word, there's no, that that whole word yet. I might not be able mm. to do that yet. Mm. You're so true about 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 that whole ability to learn skills from scratch. And and listening to you there, you know, I was really thinking about this moment that we can think about how we work in the future, how we can change. There's something around the gift really of humility because humility can really just take off uh, these kind of, you know, I guess this, these worries about what other people think about us because, and then really allow us to learn in a way that, because it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. We're, in, we're, we're all in this really, really difficult situation. And I think, you know, that, that humility to be able to say, actually, I don't know the answer, but I think between us, we can find a way. What we can't figure out for ourselves, you know, collectively, we can work out together. And the skills that we don't have right now, I'm sure collectively we can find those skills or we can build those skills together or we can work around the skills that we don't have yet. But you're right, you know, that has to start with the choice that this is something that we value and something that we are are willing to put that energy into. Absolutely. And I guess it's that mindset of saying, I'm invested in this, I am committed to this and and Mm -hmm. building those like-minded people around you. Tom, my last question for you is, is really what's next? Well, so there's a lot of um, a lot of exciting things going on at the moment with Skills Builder, um, and one of the biggest things that we're doing now is, as I said, most of our work over the last decade has been focused on how do you how do you support within education the building of essential skills for every child and young person. But what we realised is that that's a very artificial cut off, because actually lots of people get to the end of their education, and of course they haven't mastered every skill that they're going to need. Um, for the rest of their lives and and to everything that we've been talking about you know so far that would be a very um, foolhardy way of thinking about about the world so what we're doing now is we're increasingly working with um, uh, colleges universities and employers crucially to join up that journey of how people build essential skills all the way through their lives so it doesn't matter whether you're 15 or whether you're 50 or whether you're uh, you know in your 70s actually all of us um, can continue to build and, and to nourish our essential skills. And, uh, and that's where all of our energy is going at the moment is, you know, trying to join up that journey um, and trying to make the development of essential skills just uh, something that people see the value of and something that people are willing to invest in. And so, of course, you've got to couple that with that mindset um, as well to, to see these as being things that matter, but also things that everybody can improve at. And Tom, if if I'm listening to you today, what's the best way of getting in touch to find out more about the Skills Builder Partnership? Yeah, of course. So um, we have a a lot of uh, free materials and resources on our website. So you can uh, learn more about your skills. You can uh, explore the skills that you have and what skills you'd like to learn about and then actually dig into how um, you get better at them. And we have resources for individuals as well as for teachers and for uh, employers all on that website. Um, or you're uh, more than welcome uh, to drop me a line uh, and all my details again are on the website there. Brilliant. Tom, we're extremely proud that you're a Young Enterprise alumni. (laughs) I saved that bit till the end, but uh, (laughs) uh, thank you so much for your time today. It's been incredible and uh, all the very best with the partnership and we look forward to working with you. It's been a pleasure. Thank you very much. Enterprising Mindset Podcast is part of a series from Young Enterprise. To listen to more, please subscribe to us in your usual podcasting services Thank you for listening to Enterprising Mindsets.